All right, good afternoon, my friends and followers. I'm your lawyer, Patrick Buchanan. I am your best friend at your worst time, and welcome to Law and the Life Live on this Wednesday, June 10th at 6 p.m. It's good to be back live. It seems like my internet is a little bit more stable this week. They did some work on it. I'm running two streams, one on Facebook and one on YouTube. And for those of you on Facebook, if you want to catch the screen shares with the photos and the in the um, exhibits, you'll have to go over to YouTube because that is the only place I can share. And I'm ready for 2020 to be over. This year has been way too exciting, but most importantly, the beach is open today in South Florida. So Dade County beaches are now open. So with all the news and events and excitement that have been going on for the past couple weeks, I've been getting a lot of questions about defunding the police, disbanding the police, and reforming the police. So I will give you my thoughts on those issues as a former policeman, and I was only a policeman. I worked road patrol. I wasn't a member of management or a chief or anything like that. I was just a lowly officer with the Miami-Dade Police Department for 17 years, I think it was. Anyway. But first, I got, I got a question from somebody who actually lives in Minneapolis. And they asked, or they said, they gave a description. They said, the city's really scary because the police are not around. It was from a young lady. The police are not around and nowhere to be seen. Can they really get rid of the police? And why can't they get rid of bad officers? I've gotten the question about you know, why can't the police department get rid of bad officers and what happens if they defund, disband, or um, reform the police department and any police department for that matter. I've gotten a lot of those questions. But first, let's deal with Minneapolis specifically. This is the reason why they are unable to get rid of officers that they want to get rid of. You see, there's a contract between the city and the police department. And let me get it up here on the screen. This is the current bargaining agreement between the police union and the city of Minneapolis. And this is their disciplinary section. It's only two paragraphs. But they consider discipline any written reprimand, suspension, transfer, demotion, or discharge, which is termination. And then they have a grievance procedure, which gives them appellate rights through all these venues. And one of the appellate rights they usually have is arbitration through the union. And if they rule against the city, the arbitrator, or any of these other routes that they choose to take rule against the city, they can't fire the officer. The officer will be reinstated with back pay and seniority usually. This contract expired in December of 2019. But what's also interesting, now the city signs off. You go to the end of the contract. We get to the one that's actually executed. If you get to the end of the contract, the city signs off on it. The former police chief signed off on it and the Director of Employee Services signed off it on it in behalf of the city. Now these two work for the mayor and for the city council and their city representatives in the negotiating process. 
So the city agreed to this. Well, you say maybe, hey, it expired in 2019 in December. Why can't they get rid of them now? Because in April, the city and the union both agreed to extend the discipline and grievance procedures while the contract negotiations are underway. And they are extended until May 15th. And if you saw the news today, you'll see that the police chief has announced that he has ceased negotiations with the police union. And this is probably one of the reasons why. They probably want to get rid of this disciplinary and this grievance procedure. So that's one of the reasons, one of the possible reasons that they can't get rid of people who cause problems in the police department. Uh, a lot of people were asking me, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't in a normal police department, wouldn't, be people, wouldn't people be fired for doing what this officer did to George Floyd? I looked into his background briefly, only found news reports that his background that he had several complaints. I didn't find anything official from the city and I didn't have time to make any records requests and I'm not really familiar with the records request laws in Minnesota. I don't even know if they would give those to me. But this is a very possible reason why they would not be able to get rid of somebody like that. And it could be other reasons, but this, this is the one that comes to mind to me being a former police officer, is their grievance and their discipline procedure. And just remember, I always tell people, keep in mind that the city agrees to this. The city signed off on this contract. So it looks like it was under the former mayor on the original contract. And I don't know if what city council members were present there, but the bottom line is the city signed off on this procedure. And this is pretty common in most police contracts that I've looked at. I represented a lot of, a lot of police officers and disciplinary issues, and this, this here is pretty common language for what we see. Um, so I'm guessing you know, the city wants to change this to make it, under the circumstances now, want to make it easier to terminate officers that they think are bad officers. That being said, move on to the topics of, let me stop the screen share. The topics of disbanding the police department. If you've been anywhere and you've seen any type of news, you know the city council in Minnesota took up a vote which they claim is veto proof, which means the mayor can't override their vote to defund their police department. I'm not really sure what that means. I've heard defund, disband, and reform. I don't know what they're gonna do, but people have asked me, a couple of people asked me, can they really get rid of their police department? Well, that depends. It can be done, it has been done. Usually it's done for financial reasons. Cities disband their police departments, you know, several of them in the last few years have disbanded and ceased operations of their police departments based on financial issues. And these are usually small cities with small police departments. I've never seen a major city like Minneapolis, which has like 425,000 people go without police services. So people ask, what happens if they do disband their police department? Are there gonna be no police in the city of Minneapolis? Not necessarily. There's also, what also controls police services is language in the city charter and the county charter, which are like constitutions for the city and the county, as well as the state constitution and the state statutes. Somebody has to provide law enforcement services for all geographical areas within the state of Minnesota, depending upon what their charter says. 
Now let's say, take for instance, hypothetically, if the city is able to either amend their charter or it's legal for them to do so, or however they come up with it, they decide to disband the police department. Law enforcement services would fall upon the sheriff, and if not the sheriff, then the governor through the state police. So what you may have is a situation where you no longer have officers who are from that area, that general geographic area. You may have officers come in from the rural areas, from the county, from nearby counties, or they may send in state troopers who are not even familiar with the area. But somebody will cover law enforcement services in that area. And the type of law the type and quality of law enforcement services will be, you know, to be determined. You don't, you don't know what the type and the quality are because most likely you're going to have less law enforcement officers in the area because you no longer have that concentrated um, number of officers for the city that are in the city. So you're going to have, you know, cops come in from other areas, there's most likely going to be fewer of them, calls are going to hold longer, and you're not going to get the same response times as you would get from the city police department who has a number of officers concentrated in that particular area. And I don't know what the response times, you can't guess at what the response times, I don't even know what the response times are for the city of Minneapolis police department now, but if they have to bring in outside people and stretch those resources even thinner, response times will probably go up considerably. So that, that goes as far as disband. If, if they disband the police department, somebody else will have to come in and take over police services for the city of Minneapolis. The only thing I found on it on a brief search was one of the neighboring counties, one of the sheriffs from the neighboring counties says he was not gonna send in deputies to provide law enforcement services for the city of Minneapolis. I haven't heard from anything about the sheriff that is in the county where Minneapolis is. I understand he and the mayor and the chief are pretty close, so he may bring in his deputies and you know the, the governor may send in the troopers. If you get the troopers, you know they could send troopers from anywhere in the state who may have no clue or may have never even been to Minneapolis. So that's what I think you would be looking at if you saw a disbandment of the police department. Now defunding, I'm not sure what defunding means as they're using it. The city voted to defund the police department. Is that completely to cut the police department off from funds or to reduce funds or maybe to reduce funds to get around language in the charter that you know controls that issue? I have no idea. But they certainly have, you know, the, the city politicians and the city council and the mayor, they're all politicians. And you know, as politicians, they are gonna say what they think they want, what they think you want to hear to get your vote. But let's say as politicians and as, as elected leaders of the representative government of the city of Minneapolis, they decide to cut funding substantially to the police department, which is gonna mean less officers on the road, increased, um, increased response time for calls that the police would respond to. So what, it, you know, they're talking about taking, taking a big chunk of money from the police department and putting it over into other programs for public service. I haven't heard a lot of details on that yet, but 
I could imagine that it would be, um, you know, some type of other social agency or some type of other governmental unit or some type of other element of bureaucracy that would be implemented to take over some of the calls from the police officers. So you could have a situation where take, take mental health issues where you have a mental health call. Now, and then over the last few decades, poli the police department in all cities and all counties everywhere have become the call center for all problems. Barking dog in the middle of the night, you call the police department. You know, somebody's out screaming in the, in the backyard, you call the police department. Robbery or crime goes down, you certainly call the police department. But let's say they get a, a call on a mental health issue that they would previously call the police department. Well, maybe they don't send the police department out to those types of calls anymore. Maybe they send this other bureaucratic element or this other element of government out that has some type of specialized training in um, dealing with mental health. So that takes those calls away from the police, which frees them up. Let's say they have something like um, you know, child services calls where there's an issue with a child, child endangerment or something. Maybe they no longer send the police out to that. Maybe they send somebody from Child Protective Services to go out and handle that. So it would, I imagine it would be some kind of budget transfer, not completely defunding the police department, but lowering or taking away funds from the police department to put in other programs. At least that's the idea I get from listening to what's been said by the members of the city council that have spoken to the public. So that covers the um, defunding and the disbanding. Now, when it comes to reform, reform includes a little bit of that, I think. And this is my opinion, you know, strictly as a street level police officer, what I could see as law enforcement reforms. There were some comments about every law enforcement officer should wear body camera. They should all have college degrees. Training should be increased to two years um, and other requirements like that. The problem you're gonna have, I think, instituting those reforms are it's gonna cut the applicant pool. And at this time in law enforcement, law enforcement agencies around the country are always having a difficult time finding suitable candidates for law enforcement positions. And typically when you raise the requirements to be a law enforcement officer, the applicant pool shrinks and the shortage becomes bigger and bigger and bigger or smaller and smaller and smaller for you to hire from. So you're not gonna get as many police officer applicants that way. Say you get a you know, hundred police officer applicants that meet that minimum criteria all of them are not going to make it through the process. Only a certain number of them are going to make it through the process and actually make it out to the road. So you're restricting the ability of the police department to obtain officers, which, you know, it, it happens. They're having a tough time recruiting now. So they're, they, maybe they even have a tougher time recruiting. But what you usually see, or at least what I see, is when recruiting gets difficult, when it's difficult to find police officers, they actually start lowering standards instead of raising standards. So that's the competing interest you have right there. And again, they can institute reforms like body cameras. I don't think body cameras are necessarily a bad idea. I think it's a pretty good idea. I've used it in my cases. I've 
you know, I've won cases based on body camera, but I've also lost cases on body cameras. And the benefit of body camera is it shows what's going on right then and there when the police are there. I, have, I don't really have a problem with body cameras. I think it's a good idea, as well as cameras in the vehicles, in the police vehicles. I don't think that's a bad idea either, but that's a budgetary concern. Those cameras are very, very expensive, and government agencies tend to pay top dollar for equipment like that. I don't know if the city of Minneapolis has that type of a budget where they can do that. I don't even know if they have body cameras now or if some of the officers or what their body camera status is or their vehicle camera status. Another thing that's been mentioned is additional training. You'll find that a lot of cops are all on board for additional training. They don't get, you know, like here in Florida, like every few years, you have to take 40 hours of training for recertification and that's it. Like every four years, I think it is, or two years or something like that. You have to go for your, for your eight, eight or 40 hour training or whatever it is. It's, it's very minimal. In the police academy, when I went to the police academy, it was nine months long. Cops, cops tend to like training. What I have found through my experience in wanting to go to training and being involved in training, because I was a police instructor for a while, is again, budget. The police departments aren't always willing to send officers to training because of budgetary concerns. So that's another issue you have to think of. When you make all these changes, you know, and maybe, maybe in the restructuring or the reallocation of funds from the police department, they can move more funds in the training. But I don't think you'll have a problem finding officers who want to go to training and will go to training. Uh, mandated training is a little bit different. You know, voluntary training officers seem to like a lot more. So you have that issue also, which is a difference between, you know, in-service training and basic academy training, which takes somebody from who's never been a police officer and in-service training is training they give to police officers. And I've done both of those types of training courses. And I have found that the ones that are there voluntarily seem to enjoy and pay attention and do it a lot more. But regardless, training can make an issue. And there are other reforms you can make, like the city of Miami. It wasn't too long ago in the city of Miami, the city of Miami used to shoot a lot of people, a lot of people all the time. Like for, for the size of the city of Miami and the number of officers they have, compared to say like Dade County and the number of officers they have, the, the shootings were through the roof. They instituted some policy changes police shootings dropped dramatically to where now they're on par with other local police departments and they're not the crazy numbers that they were before. So those are just some issues that I thought of when I was reviewing these questions. I've gotten these questions a bunch of times. I'm sure there's more, but I think you'll see a lot of it comes from what budget do we have? What is the police department budget? What can we cut the police department budget to and reallocate these other funds to? Another thing that um, I can think of is they can reduce what the number of calls that police officers go out on, like I said, on you know child protective calls, on uh, mental health calls, they can reduce those calls, but they can also implement a, like a, a public service aid program or a, pub, uh, you know, a service aid program where they train civilians to go out and handle property calls where the perpetrators are unknown or the perpetrators are gone. You know, for example, somebody comes home and finds out that their bike was stolen. Well, 
where they may send the police officer out to that in the past, they can send the service aid out to take the report and to respond to that type of call. Um, another call, maybe like a burglary, you know, somebody came, you know, somebody was away on vacation. They came back two days later and discovered that their house had been broken into. Nobody knows who, and there's, there's no bad guys there. They could send the service aid to take out the, go out and take the reports on those calls and other property crimes, you know, shoplifting where somebody runs off with a number of goods from a convenience store or something like that. That would free up the number of the policemen from responding to those calls. And maybe um, theoretically the, you could survive with a smaller number of police officers in those circumstances. Another thing they could do is to go even further, they could increase phone reporting. Uh, you know, they could go to misdemeanor property crimes with unknown perpetrators, could all be phone reports. Um, all information reports could be phone reports. Um, you know, calls that you know aren't in progress calls, aren't suspicious vehicle calls or suspicious persons calls where they need to send the police officers. All the other ones they could redirect to this other unit, government entity, bureaucratic element, whatever they come up with. So that's a, that's another you know type of reform that they could do to pass muster or they could do nothing because they're politicians right and what do politicians usually do kind of a whole lot of nothing i mean they may get up there and they may say this because they think that's what the public wants to hear and two years down the road it may be the exact same thing i don't know it's up to them but remember they are your representative government they work for you and they work for you and they're, they're responsible to you. When you elect somebody for the city council or the mayor's position, they select in turn, or however they do it in there, I'm not sure what their structure is with the police department and the between the police department and the city, whether they have a city manager or not, but somebody chooses the police chief and the police chief works for them directly, either the city council or the mayor, depending upon how it's structured. So they get in there and they put the people in there that they want in there. Then the chief goes into the police department and he structures the police department the way he wants it structured. So when they tell you they don't, you know, they, they don't know how to do this with the police department or they can't, you know, do that with the police department. Like the Blasio is always on the news saying something about the police department and criticizing the police department. Just remember that he put Shea in charge. He put police commissioner Shea in charge. Shea structured the NYPD the way he wanted it structured, and he carries out the mayor's orders through Shea to the police department, through the command staff, and down to rank and file. So just keep that in mind when politicians are speaking to you about police activities and how the police react and respond. It is basically comes down to them. It's, it's their city. They're running the city. They also have a lot to say about running the police department. I hope that information you found was useful. Let me see if there's any questions in here. Let's see, nothing on YouTube. I see people checked in on Facebook, but nobody's saying anything except my buddy James Wright. Jay Wright, allocating funds from their budget to address other issues. I agree with that. That's basically what they do. All right, Jay Wright is on board. I need to have Jay Wright come on and do a live with us. 
Jay is a guy that I used to work with on the Miami-Dade Police Department. I've known him for years and years and years. And after he retired, he became the chief of a local municipal police department. And he made some great changes there. I should have him come on. I'll put him on the spot right now. Jay, we need to come on and do Law on the Life Live and uh, present to the people the position of a police manager, which you are. <coughs> Excuse me. Anyway. That's my thoughts on the defunding, the disbanding, or the reorganization, or the reforming of police departments. Like I said, it's from a street officer. Those are just my thoughts, my opinions. I'm happy to give them to you. If you found this information useful, please like and subscribe and subscribe to me on YouTube. All you people watching on Facebook, go over to YouTube and subscribe to me. Hit that like and share button and pass it around. If you have any questions, Feel free, feel free to ask them. You can DM me on any of the social media platforms, or you can email me directly at patrick at pjmlawyer.com. I am on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, the whole nine yards, Snapchat, everywhere. Just put in my name, I'll come up. Put in the Magic City Lawyer, I'll come up. And uh, feel free to contact me, and you're always free to contact the office. The information to the office is down below. I practice three primary areas of law, those being family law, personal injury, and criminal defense. I practice in the South Florida area, Miami-Dade, Broward, and every now and then Palm Beach County. So if you have an issue in one of those counties, please feel free to give me a call. If you have something that comes up in another area of law, I know a lot of attorneys, I can usually refer you to somebody who will pick that information or take that case from you or be able to help you out. As always, thank you. I'm very humbled that you took time out of your day to come in here and watch me on Law on the Life. I try to do this every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Sometimes the internet isn't cooperative. The last couple of weeks have been difficult. My internet is still screwed up, but it looks like the stream is stable enough for at least YouTube and Facebook. So those are good. Anyway, so I'll be in here next next Wednesday at 6 p.m. I may do a video in the interim. I got a couple that I have to upload as well as other questions I'm getting related to all this George Floyd uh, stuff that's going on. One, in, one question I wanted to address was how come somebody asked me how come the riots in Miami weren't as bad as they usually are in Miami and how come they weren't as bad as other places in the country and I think I know why and I'll pick that up in another video as always thank you for stopping by I am truly humbled that you take time out to watch me have a great day go out to the beach because the beaches are open and I'll see you at minimum next Wednesday